Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. We're back with the third of our bonus episodes. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. Each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the song that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. And at our live event, we crown the winner of the second Cherry Song Contest. Three episodes in now. Three episodes in, yes. This is the third and final of our pre-Liverpool bonus episodes, bringing you our thoughts on all of this year's actual Eurovision entries. Yeah. The ones that are ineligible for second January. (laughs) (laughs) And this week we're bringing you, well, the big six, the big five plus the hosts. Yes, we are. We do like big sixes. I don't know what that means, but we like it. Shall we start? Let's jump straight in. (laughs) So we're going to go through these songs in alphabetical order. Because unlike the semi-finals, we don't yet know which order four of them are going to be performed in, in the final. They're all qualified um, by virtue of being one of the big five or last year's winner, Ukraine. We do know where Ukraine's going to sing. It's going to be 19th. They drew that at random. And the United Kingdom, as the broadcasting host, also drew their position at random. And we're 26. We're last. Mm. We are closing the show. So we're going to take you through today from France to Germany to Italy to Spain, Ukraine and United Kingdom. So let's kick off with France. It's Lazara with Evidemont. Matt, are you enjoying this slice of French disco? I really, really am. Uh, I can see a very, very good finish for France, I have to say. If they can offer us those few wow moments that the song lends itself to, it it offers it up. Um, If they make the most of that, this is going to do well. Lazara is of Moroccan descent, so maybe we can expect some cheeky little, I don't know, opportune moment with Lorene. Also Ooh, from Moroccan Sam. Yes. Put that on their socials. Just a bit of, you know, shared love around. And I don't know. They like, like to do these things, don't they, on the ground at Eurovision? So. They do. It might have already happened. We're recording this on the night of the Spanish preview party. And Lorraine is there. And I think Lazara is there as well. So who knows? By the time you're listening to this, we may have had the very first of those interactions. <laughs> But yeah, it's, there isn't a huge amount I could find out about Lazara actually, other than she has got sort of burgeoning success in France um, that has been building quite nicely over recent years and that's suggesting actually that the French are still looking to put their current artists forward for Eurovision, which is really quite interesting because I was 
quite sad that we don't have, you know, a national final from France this year. But this is quite a good alternative. I'm quite happy with it. Do you know, every year that we do the podcast, I always lament the rum lock of the French. Because I think that they are the country that has put the most creative entries in consistently over a long period of time. And I'm going back here to, you know, 1990. Joël Osseau with White and Black Blues, then Amina uh, with C'est le dernier qui a parlé et qui a raison. Um, Montiel La Rivière the next year. Um, Nina Morato with Je suis un vrai garçon. There's a string of really, really interesting, really creative French songs that have come out. And I don't think that they've got the success that they deserve. It was Romlock for me when they scored their best results in decades with Barbara Pravi, which I didn't much like. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like this. I like the... There's no escaping the Frenchness of something like Voila. And there's no escaping the Frenchness of this. It'd be difficult to imagine it being any other country uh, sending this song. And she's serving up a nice dramatic slice of sort of cabaret chanson cut with French disco. And I, I just, it's nice. It's slick. It's fine. It's going to get us all up on the dance floor. My one caveat is I didn't click with this on first listen. It's grown on me. It grew on me quite quickly, but it definitely has been a grower for me and not a shower. So if that doesn't connect at first glance with it being an automatic finalist, you know, I know we get a little snippet of it in the semi-final, but if you're the, you know, average viewer, you're coming to this and you'll be hearing it for the first time on the Saturday night. And that's my only little caveat of it might not quite do as well as we might think. I don't know. I think it is quite accessible. Um, when I first heard it, I was like, oh, I know what this song is. I've heard this before. It's familiar. Easy on the ear. You know, it's quite it's quite funky. Um, and it's just characterful, which I think is really good because she's a character, I think. We've seen little bits on social media <laughs> what makes us um, think that perhaps she's a bit of a handful in the best possible way. Um yeah, watch this space. Who knows? She might something might have happened on the socials already that you know, you know. By well, the time you listen to this moment on social media, which put her Instagram story like, "I've had enough. I can't cope with this anymore. I'm gonna have to quit." Uh, and she failed to mention what it was she was quitting. <laughs> and she had to come back to social media after people had sent her worried messages, thinking she, you know, might be in a you know, poor that mental place. health state or about to pull out of the contest. And she said, uh, oh no, it's, I'm quitting gluten because I'm becoming <laughs> tolerant to it in my diet. <laughs> Who knows what kind of japes we're going to get before the contest comes around. Mm-hmm. So France there, évidemment, by Lazara. Next up, it is Germany. Blood and Glitter by Lord of the Lost. We're so happy we could die. Blood and glitter, sweet and bitter Monty, Blood and Glitter, a club that we've been to many times before. <laughs> no, but what are your thoughts, though, on Lord of, Lord of Lost? 
my thoughts on Lord of the Lost, or my thoughts on the Sog, or my thoughts on the whole German approach to Eurovision oh, in general. God, is there is that all different opinions then? Well, I mean, maybe some of that can wait and see if we get a German episode later in the show. Um, oh. Lord of the Lost, it's a name that is so prophetic, really, to Germany's plight in <laughs> Eurovision over the past, most of the past decade. Um, oh, the Lost and their Lord here are a gothic metal band, more than a smattering of glam rock. Um, it's certainly lively, and we get a, a full-throated performance by the Lord himself. <laughs> um, oh, it's just not doing anything for me at all. I'm like, I mean, it had a huge amount of support yeah. in the German final. It was the winner by an enormous margin with the public. It didn't get a lot of votes from the jury, which might suggest it would struggle to get points and score evenly across the two sets of marks that it will get in the final. Um, and that could be a big problem for it. Um, but also, it performed well in the German final against the songs that it was up against. It's going to be up against a much tougher field in Eurovision. And I just don't see this doing anything. That said, if your run of results for the last decade, since winning, don't forget, in 2010, if your run of results has been generally that shit, then why not try something completely different? But I I do feel like it was a bit of a step... A step change, let's say, a step change upwards in the right direction from where they've been in previous national finals. It's been so dire. This was a bit better. There was a there was count on two fingers how many songs I actually <laughs> like. But no, but you know, joking aside, it's not one of my faves. It's not in my sort of uh, song that I'd listen to. But it does have its fans. I'll say that much. There's an incongruity to this band where the lead vocalist has a very well-spoken pronunciation of English but mixed in with this heavy rock style style and it doesn't it's very we, we never get that it's quite rough and ready you know they go hand in hand rough and ready with a with that sort of genre but then you've got the contradiction of the song title blood and glitter it's just all a bit messy but kind of gloriously so I kind of I kind of get get it and I quite like it. I I do see why it's won its national final. I think it was up against quite a lot of beige songs, but also the the better songs weren't. They had their own reasons for not, you know, succeeding. So it kind of had a clear path. All the energy it had in its national final will be lost, I think, in the sea of Eurovision songs on a Saturday night. So I don't think it's going to do very much in Liverpool, unfortunately. But um. You know, there, there's other alternatives, rock alternatives that you might vote for over this, is what I'm saying, I think. And quite a number this year, mm. actually. Over to Italy next. It's Marco Mangoni returning after a decade with Due Vite. Se questa è l'ultima Marco. 
God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, We're he, just both looking a little bit doe-eyed yeah. here, aren't we, the poor thing? <laughs> oh, look, I think he's a nice boy, you know. Mm. I think he's a probably a nice boy. I mean, I, I, you know, I talked to him in Malmo mm. in 2013. I, you know, followed him around. <laughs> and, and my efforts did pay off. I did eventually get my photo. And he apparently didn't really pose for many photos with fans. And I have a photo of him and Jody from the second Cherry team and me. And I have to say, I've never seen anybody look less like they want to be in a photo <laughs> than Marco Mangoni does in that one. Being chased down by two Euro yeah. gays. I mean, he was a little bit socially awkward um, at the time. He seems to be more confident now. And um, I think, you know, at that time, I was probably more a bully and, and drunk. <laughs> I can guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this, this doesn't give me quite the feels, you know, you know the emotional connection that other Italian entries... Leave this podcast right now. <laughs> no, you know, compare that to uh, Diodato... How many drinks have I had now? (laughs) But there is still a gorgeous song here. It is gorgeous. And it's been 100% destruction tested because going through the rigorous process that is San Remo, uh, it has to be good, you know? And we say this every year, but it's just the Italians will never do badly because they just, you can't go through San Remo and then come last at Juve. Just I just can't see it happening. I think they've they've got a foolproof system in San Remo. Um, the for the song the the repetition of Dormi Dormi Mai, you know, never sleep is just. I think it's just so beautifully poignant and just yeah yeah maybe it does give me the feels actually. I think the 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 the, the melody is a bit meh, but all the imagery around this. It's just perfection. I think it's another top 10 for Italy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is dreamy. It's absolutely gorgeous. The way that the melody sweeps and soars and it's at the same time contemporary and yet evoking all of that classic Eurovision balladry of, um, you know, of the 80s and, and beautiful orchestration with that live orchestra in San Remo. I mean, I have to say I adore this most in its unedited San Remo version. But we've got a good edit. We've got a good three-minute edit. They've really kept the the essence of the song. They've not done a Gabbani when they, it was a oh God. hatchet job uh, of an edit. They've done such a good job of it. In another year, I would say this was a contender to win. Um, and it's absolutely up there with my favourite songs. I just think that because we've got such strong pop songs this year, I think the winner's going to come from that batch of pop songs rather than this. But this is far and away the best ballad in this year's competition. It means two lives, due vite. And I can't help imagining, and I think it might have been slightly brought on by the fact on the first night of Sam Raymer, he came up out on stage looking like a hot leather daddy. Mm. And I just can't help thinking of that kind of like, you know, dual life. A little bit like is depicted in the um, Sam Smith and Kim Petras um, song, Unholy. Mm. And I'm imagining him now having these two different lives, you know, one full of bum sex orgies <laughs> and the other one at home with the wife and kids on yeah. Wednesday. <laughs> Well, maybe, you know, we don't know uh, Marco's sexuality. So, we um, don't, you know, no. You know. Far be it from us to speculate. No. <laughs> but, <laughs> but look, yeah, I agree. I think this is solid, solid finish for Italy. 
Absolutely. And we all love a solid finish. <laughs> Song number four, then, is Blanca Paloma with Ea from Spain. Spanish entry here, Monty. Oh, isn't it just? Yeah. I mean, this is wow. Mm. This really is wow. It's like nothing else. It's new flamenco. It's a little bit experimental. Um, it's brave. It's bold. It's not everybody's cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but my God, can she perform it? I've seen her doing like, acapella performances and her voice is incredible. And I think that even if you don't necessarily relate to the style of music, there's points to be had just for the fact that she's such a competent performer of this. Yeah, I mean, you know, female singers at Spain of Scent over the years, I just it's just yet added to the list of yet another incredible performer. You know, I said this on the ESC uh, Insight podcast when I was on the Jukebox Jewelry again another plug um, if you haven't heard that go to the ESC Insight on uh, the Jukebox Jewelry me and Monty have got our own episodes but um, it's worth repeating that you know very Spanish entries are often overlooked apart from a few exceptions last year was a breakthrough with Janelle but you know they all have sort of like pop infusions where this is not pop at all there is no <laughs> pop anywhere near this uh, song and I do you think the more ethnic and traditional elements, whilst are the strong are the strong points of the song, are also its downfall? As you said, it's new flamenco, quite harsh to the ear, I think, for some people. But quite frankly, I I just adore it. It's my second place. It's yeah, this is what I'm here for when I come to Eurovision. I want this. It's a divisive song and a divisive style. It's not going to be everybody's cup of tea. But I don't think that's a problem, because I think if you really love this, you're going to vote for it. It's going to get your 12. And if you really, really, really hate this, which a lot of people do, then, you know, just sit with your hate. You can't vote against it at Eurovision. The only way you could vote against it is by voting for the other 25 songs (laughs) to give it one less vote than they have. So, you you know, you can't pull the vote down on this as a a member of the public. So I think it's going to, it's going to have its, its fans and they are going to come out and vote. Um, the, the performance looked great as well in the Benidorm Fest. I mean, I have to say again, this was another song I didn't quite get when I first saw it in this semi-final. But by the time I watched it in the final, and I was watching the semi-final on catch-up rather than watching it uh, as it went out alive, um, it really, really struck me as just such a powerful performance. And when you see the way that the Spanish fans back this, I mean, they really wanted this to go. But it also won the jury vote by quite a margin as well. So that's an international panel of experts which this is going to be judged by uh, on a larger scale and if they vote today 
then you know there's every chance that this could be there for me this is a top table finish i don't think it's a winner but it's absolutely up there i think as in that's what you think's going to happen or that's your personal... oh yeah absolutely oh, right, I think okay. the quality of it the quality the uniqueness and the competence of mm. the performance means that this is going to get uh, quite a lost sport i think Oh, well, I hope so because I don't think I don't think it will. But I'm yeah, I'd rather go with your interpretation of that. <laughs> yeah. I'm always right. Look, I got constructed right last year. I called that. You did, that. yeah, yeah. I call this for a top five again. Okay, as well noted. So the next song is from Ukraine, of course, the host, but not the host. If you know what I mean, uh, the winners of last year's uh, contest, and it's called Heart of Steel, and it's by Torchy. So Torchy are an act that, as Eurovision fans, we've seen before in the Vidbir mm-hmm. in Ukraine, although they'll be new to most people watching um, as Eurovision audience. Um, I mean, it's hard not to be moved by this song. It's inspired by the strength of resistance that Ukrainians showed at the Azov style steel plant in Mariupol. And you just have to reflect back at that time and everything that was happening that's still happening in the country. And it's really emotional to Mm. think about that and to use that as the inspiration for a song that is more generally about resistance and about strength and about resilience um, is just really quite powerful. And I think, you know, this is entirely what you're going to expect from Ukraine, given the country that it, it now is, the way, where it finds itself. Is it enough to gain that solidarity vote again and get it over the line? I don't think so. I think it's a top 10 song, and I think even without everything that's going on, it's a strong enough song to be top 10, and we know how well Ukraine can stage a song. So I think there's going to be a lot of impact there. I don't feel, though, that the wider audience is approaching how they're going to vote in the contest the same way as they did last year. Mm-hmm. I think that that moment has passed a bit. That's not to say that I think you know support and solidarity with the Ukrainian people and what is going on for them has wavered in any way. I don't think that is diminished at all. But I don't think it's going to translate into supportive votes as much this year as it did last year. And I think this song is probably less universal or less impactful than Stefania was. Yeah, I agree. There are supportive votes still lying around for this, 100%. But yeah, the intensity, I think, um, isn't there when it comes to voting for a song in a contest. Obviously, the war is still very much intense. We will talk about this on the Ukrainian episode but how they managed to pull off a whole national selection show in an underground metro station whilst war was still going on around them is just still blowing my mind I 
I just don't, I can't understand, like, it just puts us all to shame, really. And our, the way our TV is. Look, they're a very experienced duo, you know, loads of albums. They've been to Vidbeer before, like you say. Um, yeah, I just think they're just going to come on stage, deliver it exactly how it needs to be delivered. And, but, but not in a clinical way. Like, they're going to mean it right. How can they not get on stage and, and do this performance and not mean it? It's got so much behind it. So, yeah. The, the, I love the start, I have to say. That, well, actually the church organs all the way through it, but the start where you just, you're punched in the face immediately with it. I love that. It gets us, you know, interested and concentrating on what they're about to do. It's ominous and poignant and just, yeah, top 10 easily. So there's one song to go and it is our home entry, The United Kingdom. I wrote a song by Mabeler. She did write a song. She certainly did. And she says she didn't write it for Eurovision. Yeah. It was just the song she happened to have when she got asked, would you be interested in doing Eurovision? And here's what I prepared earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, fresh out of the oven, it would seem. Yeah, I, th- I think, and that's a really good sign because, you know, May is, she is fresh. She is very current. I, you know, whether that translates internationally, I don't know. But if you were to look at the UK charts right now, her sound is it. That's, you know, it's current. And that's saying a lot for the BBC. You know, we've talked at length about how the BBC have struggled to get the attention of these sort of current artists or certainly the better songwriters. So this is a massive upgrade. And something which I hope they can kind of you know bellow and just get keep going keep going and into next year and and years after I think this is a great song I think it's a really good move to get songs that aren't written specifically for Eurovision because I don't think you can write a Eurovision winner anymore you've got you write something which feels authentic it feels right feels like it meets the artist it has the right presentation uh, and it has to capture the imagination and capture that zeitgeist Um, and I think this does Um, I think we are in a position where this surprise result almost of Sam Ryder last year has bolstered interest in the contest in the UK and more artists I think are willing to take that risk I mean not everyone's going to have a career like Sam Ryder not everyone's going to do Eurovision and do that well but look at the chance he took and look how it paid off and I think you know people in the music industry now are like hang on a minute there might be something happening here at the same time, I think people have really cottoned on to the fact that Eurovision is a wildly different beast to it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. Uh, and certainly a very different beast to 20, 30 years ago when people's popular memory of Eurovision was, you know, really formed. And I'm all for it. I mean, we mentioned at the start of the first bonus episode, the first uh, semi-final, 
how much the buzz was there in the UK this year. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, the buzz is almost too much because it's been a difficulty to get tickets. <laughs> the accommodation's a nightmare. It's like, back off. All you Johnny-come-latelys who, you know, never given two stuffs about Eurovision or want to go this year. I love it that you do, but, you know... Get in the queue behind me. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get my combination first of it. <laughs> Cheap Ray. Uh, this is just brilliant. It's really current. It's banging pop. It's got that kind of like revenge song. It's a bit of a diss track, but it's not really. But it's not angry. It's not angry. It's all this kind of like, I wanted to do all of these things. But do you know what? I wrote a song about you instead. Yeah. And that's how I'm going to get my revenge. I'm a grown woman. I'm not going to damage your property. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, do personal damage to you. And actually, I've heard, I saw some people saying, oh, I don't like it because of all these nasty things she's doing. Well, the point of the song is she's not doing <laughs> she's the not. nasty things. <laughs> that's exactly what she's not doing. I tell you she's what. She's writing a song instead. Wait till someone breaks your heart and then tell me the first thing that goes through your head. Like, <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, no, no. you know. Yeah, no, I think it's amazing. I think what they've done here is, look, is this a winner? No, but it is so credible. It's about as good as it gets. And even if this is going to come last, it won't. But even if it did come last, I would be like, I don't care. That was a great song, great artist. It reflected our music scene and the BBC done good. I hope it's a top 10, though, because I think we need to carry that momentum yes. forward a bit. I think we can't just go, Sam Ryder was great, wasn't that fantastic. And, you know, we've also got that momentum from the fact that we're unexpectedly hosting Eurovision. You know, we wouldn't normally expect to host from coming second. Um, so, you know, getting the honour of doing that has really boosted that as well. But I do think we really need to build on that. It needs another top ten. It needs to be that, you know, somebody can get a career or it's not going to be this damaging thing to do. And she's approaching it with so much enthusiasm, so much excitement. And I love that. We don't know what it's going to be like on the night. We've seen, at the minute, we've seen a couple of live performances from the pre-parties, one of which she was ill. There are some more to come, which will have happened by the time this podcast is going out. We're recording it in advance. But there's, there's some improvements needed. But... Again, I come back to the fact that Eurovision is a show that's rehearsed within an inch of its life. So much preparation time before you get there. So much preparation going into the choreography, the video angles, everything. This is all going to be tightened up by the night. And I think this could be an absolute belter. It's closing the show. You've got a, you, a mostly UK audience in there. Um, plus, you know, the displaced Ukrainians that tickets are being made available to, who hopefully will be, you know, cheering this because of our hosting uh, as well. But I just think this is going to take the roof off that arena. Big end of the night. Final UK, everyone go mental. Yeah, hopefully that will help. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that last is the best position to sing. I mean, no, there's lots of dis- I don't either. Dis- uh, discussion about this. I think it's slightly too late. But... I think because it's the UK and because the arena is going to go off, I don't think it matters particularly with this. It's going to keep people's interest because it's the, yeah. the, the hosting home entry rather than Ukraine, which I think is the home from home. Yeah, entry. yeah. Well, there we are. That's our song and that's <sighs> the songs. 
of the Eurovision season 2023. Yeah, we've done it. Do you okay. know? I think it's a decent year. I thought it was a decent year from probably about halfway through the selection season. A few people were like late to the game, um, but I actually think it's a fairly decent year. There's a good standard of really good pop songs in there. A couple of absolutely cracking ballads, Italy, Estonia, some really different creative songs in there. I think we've got a really, really eclectic mix. There are some stinkers. There are always some stinkers. But generally, I think this is a pretty good year. I I, I mean, okay. I think there's been better years. But I think what this year is going to stand for is the diverse mix of stuff. You know, you've got so many different styles of rock, which is so, you know, interesting that we always get one, maybe two styles every Eurovision when you've got about like six or seven this year. And I think there's something for everyone. And when when there's going to be so many eyeballs on Eurovision, in the UK especially, I think that's a good thing. I think people are going to see Eurovision for what it is for the first time and be, oh, okay, this is And I think incredible. they're going to get a positive impact. I mean, when I look at the animation of the stage, I think it's one of the best stage designs. Mm. I absolutely love it. I think it's going to look great on stage. I think the BBC are going to innovate again. The BBC are bringing equality to it. Um I, I think it's going to be a really, really top-notch show. I really do. And speaking of Liverpool, that's where our attention is turning because we will be there in the host city from the 5th of May, Friday the 5th of May, and we'll be there right through till the bitter end <laughs> and, and then a little bit more because we're not coming home till the Monday. So we will be there. What are our plans, Matt, for when we're there? Well, we want to try and deliver the fan experience at Eurovision. So I think that's what we do best at Second Cherry. So I think we'll look out on our socials. We'll be posting sort of videos. We'll put together some reels and stuff like that. You'll see sort of like what's going on. Um, and then in terms of the podcast, well, well, we'll do what we normally do. And that's sort of to give you a flavour of what's going on as well. But also when we can see rehearsals or... I don't know what we're going to see at the moment. It's all of it, but if um, we'll give you what we can see from behind the curtains, what we're allowed to see from behind the curtain, whatever whatever that is. And I think we have to be um, clear that this year it's going to be different for everybody. They've changed the accreditation rules. We mm-hmm. have applied for accreditation. Don't know whether we have that or not, but everybody's in the same boat. Whereas we've normally been able to see the show coming together with the the. Uh, at one point, the first rehearsals, but from last year, the second rehearsals, the individual um, uh, delegation rehearsals, we've been able to see the show and see the performance come together. We've been able to bring you um, comments on that. That's not happening this year. Nobody except the delegations is going to see those first rehearsals. Mm. The first time anybody gets to see the show will be in the first dress rehearsal of the live shows, which are going to be on the Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons. So we're going to be as much in the dark as everybody else. We'll be following the official sites and their fabulous blog to see uh, what they're saying about the act. And that is the only place that we'll be able to get any kind of information Mm. from. It's different. There's a lot of us in the fandom have spent a lot of years watching these shows come together and it's we're going to have to get used to a different approach i have to say i think it's entirely right 
I don't think we should be seeing those first rehearsals. I think they should be bringing the show together, letting delegations try things out, experiment, letting things go wrong, putting them right, perfecting that show. So what we see is something near the finished article. Yeah, no, we, that you know, we've said that from day one. Really, that we we we've got way too much access, or have had. I do think I'm worried that it might go too far the other way. But the fact we have a little bit, you know, we get to see a little bit before, so we can gather some opinions and put them out in the world. And but there are opinions based on polished, kind of ready to go performances, and I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we do get accreditation, we'll hopefully be able to see those um, uh, shows, and we'll hopefully be able to bring you some reportage on them. But what we might be reporting on is, after the fact, we might be giving our opinions of the show after it's happened, after the semi-finals and after the final have taken place, which we'll bring you anyway, of course. Yeah. So we look forward to getting to Liverpool. I'm so excited. Yeah. I really am. I think it's going to be such a great experience. We've got all of our Euroclub tickets. There's so much going on. I mean, it's going to be so hard to keep up. Well, this is where we need to kind of document it on our podcast because there's just everywhere you turn, it's going to be Eurovision fans doing something. We don't really know. We're not really going to plan anything. We're just going to bring you what occurs and we're going to make sure we do everything. So... Yeah, you'll be part of it. (laughs) (laughs) So get in touch with us before we get to Liverpool. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Follow us on Twitter and get in touch at Second Cherry. Instagram at Second... Underscore Cherry. (laughs) Instagram is Second Underscore Cherry. And Facebook is Second Cherry Podcast. And Matt, how else can they get in touch? You can email us by by typing out. (laughs) I don't know what (laughs) it is. You can email us on... Hello! At secondcherry.vision. That's... Hello! At secondcherry.vision. There we are. They're the songs. We will see you in Liverpool or you will hear from us in Liverpool. And if you're in Liverpool and you spot us out and about, come and say hello. Yes, please do. We love that. Absolutely. So, enjoy yourselves. If we don't see you before, we'll see you after. Take care. See you later. Bye. Bye!